Hey, everybody. It's so great to be with you. It's such a blessing to worship with you, um, as always, especially, I think, of worship as we are going into Revelation. Um, we get together to worship God and to remind ourselves of God's rulership over the universe, and it's such a blessing um, to do that with you every time I get to do it with you. Thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be in Revelation this morning, which is God and John's attempt to remind us that God reigns and provoke us to worship. It can be a difficult book in some respects, but if you can avoid getting sucked into the detail of any given symbol, um, which we're going to do today, you can clearly see what it is saying in the broad sense. So we're going to start in Revelation 1, 4 through 11. If you want to go there, um, I'll give you about a, five seconds to do that. Uh, 1, 4 through 7, or 4 through 11, sorry, not 7. Revelation 1, 4 through 11. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who was and is and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before the throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who he has pierced, who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen? Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. This is a verse, a section that is full of glory. It is a scripture that speaks to God's power and rulership of the world. Jesus is the, king, the ruler of the kings of earth. He is um, the everlasting from beginning to end, who was and is and is to come. He is the alpha and the omega, and he has glory and dominion forever and ever. And all of those things are true. They're absolutely true. But notice what John talks about when he talks about his own situation. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Your partner in tribulation, in exile. How must that have looked? Here is the emissary of the rulers of the kings of the earth, the guy who claims to be the emissary of the ruler of the kings of the earth, and he is in exile in an island that's barely named, that no one cares about. And he's writing to people who are in trouble, people who are suffering, people who are facing opposition. Um, not in every place, opposition to the point of shedding blood, but opposition nonetheless. Um, people who are gathering for church in basements, people in groups not much larger than this, right? And he's saying to them, 
They are the servants of the kings of the earth. And that must have looked a little bit crazy to anybody who heard it. And it does look that way. But there's the appearance of things, and then there's the way the things really are, right? There's the appearance of things, and they're the way the things really are. And that's what revelation is about, the appearance of things and then the way the things really are. But you have to think that someone in those church pews was asking the question, if this is victory, then what does defeat look like? <laughs> All right? And the book of Revelation has an answer to that question. The book of Revelation gives us a picture, pictures after picture after picture of defeat. It has mighty dragons and horrific beasts with horns and crowns in large numbers who are sitting on mountains, ruling the world, dragging the people into blasphemy. These powers that represent the Roman Empire, which stands as a symbol even to this very day of fame and wealth, of power and might. The symbol of the dreams of all of the dictators and billionaires and senators and presidents and members of parliament that you might find on the planet Earth. A power that stretches out to the ends of the world. That is the appearance of things. But there's the appearance of things, and then there's the way that things really are. These people who rule the world think that they are the ones who are making history. They're going to define, the history is going to be written by the victors. It's going to be written by the victors, and there's not going to be any mention of these, these weird little Jews and their weird little schism. <laughs> they think that they're the ones sitting in judgment on the world, that they're going to be the ones who decides who wins, who lives, who dies, who gets to tell the story of the world. They think that they're sitting in judgment on the world. But Revelation says they're actually sitting on death row. And I'm tempted to think that I'm not like those people, right? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't rule the world. Um, I don't think that I do. Nobody thinks that I does, in, do, including the children in the classes that I teach, all right? Nobody thinks that. But God has a different message even to the churches when we think of ourselves as different from these people. The Laodiceans, the letter to the Laodiceans, which we don't have time to read all of today, um, speaks about uh, letter to the Laodiceans speaks about to these people who are comfortable, who are accepted in their communities, who are doing all right. They are rich in the eyes of the world. Rich in that period means something very different than it means now. It's a lot poorer than we are now. We are a very rich society. I feel that's important to know. But these are middle class people. They're comfortable. They know where bread's going to be next month, right? And they think that that makes them secure. But Jesus says to them, you do not realize that you are wretched, and naked, pitiable, poor, and blind. Because there's the appearance of things, and then there's the way that things really are. There's the appearance of security, prosperity, wealth, and the ability to have what I need next month, next year, and then there's the reality of security with God. And Jesus calls for the Laodiceans 
out of earthly comfort, he says, come to me and buy from me clothing and gold and white robes. And I will anoint your eyes so that you can see. And he even says, this is a thing that God actually says in this text uh, in verse 21 and 22. No, 21. 321. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne. Just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And he says this, and it puts a light against our own desires and hopes and comforts and goals that we so often have. The world is full of ambitious people who would do anything for power. And what Christ asks of us is as different as his promises are better, right? How, how could you compare anything to sitting on the throne of God? What thing in the world, what ambition has ever equaled that? And Jesus says to the one who conquers, I will give to sit on the throne of God. And how do we conquer? In Revelation 12, uh, verse, I should have written it down. In Revelation 12, it says, they have conquered by the word of the Lamb, or by the blood of the Lamb, the word of his testimony, and because they did not love their own lives even to the point of death. And let's not gloss over that last bit. They did not love their own lives even to the point of death. The rulers of this world think that they are rising from power to power to power to power. And in Revelation, we can see that they are actually falling from power into death. And the Christians who are receiving this letter, who are in times of dire straits, are hearing not that message, but that the suffering is going, that they are going through the suffering into glory. They are going from the sacrifice into eternal life, from the basement churches into the throne room of the Father. And Revelation is this desperate attempt to shake the people awake and say, those of you who are doing well, who are suffering, you need to stay the course. And those of you who have been tempted by the appearance of power, which is going to last a moment and then be gone. The Roman Empire is gone. One day, China and Russia and the United States, they'll all be gone. And the kingdom of God will remain. The kingdoms of this world are going to go on crumbling. But the kingdom of God is everlasting to everlasting. It was here before we ever got here, and it'll be long after we're gone. And it is an everlasting kingdom, which if you are willing to serve and love not your own life, even to the point of death, you can sit on the throne of God with Jesus Christ. To the one who does not cling to their life, even in the face of death, Christ will give the right to sit on his throne with him and rule forever. Because there's the appearance of things where it seems like Jesus is in the tomb. It's over. It's all finished. This guy's dead. He's going to rot. And then there's the way things actually are. 
where Jesus' death is the moment of victory for God and the gospel. And, where, and this is not just a thing that happened to Jesus, it's a thing that can happen in our lives. If we can look past the way that things appear and strive in faith to live in the world as it actually is, where God rules and reigns forever. We think that we prosper when we've got a good bank balance and we know where the, our checks are going to come in and we know when we're going to uh, retire, when we're going to pay our bills, when we're going to do all these things. We think that we prosper when we have the approval of others, when we hear good job, when we get a clap on the back, when people regard us as nice people who they enjoy. We think that we are succeeding when we're rising through the ranks of business or society or politics or sports or any of the various things that people do and pursue. These are, this is what it means to be prosperous, right? But what it actually means to prosper is when we're up past midnight with a friend who's suffering, when we are tired past the end of our rope, when we are having patience for the thousandth time with people that we just don't like, and when we are telling the truth that nobody wants to hear and nobody is willing to receive, and when everything seems lost, when it looks like it's all going to end in these church basements, it looks like it's all going to end on this cross, we have faith. The God who raised Jesus from the dead rules the world still. There is the way that things appear, and then there's the way that things really are. Seeking out Christ, we can receive all that truly matters, and not cling to our lives, whether in the face of death or of prosperity, to live in the knowledge that God rules the world, and we can rule it with him if we only be faithful to the end.